Welcome to 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, our brand performance podcast, where we connect and collaborate with other self-sustaining entrepreneurs, authors, and experts. Hi, I'm Marlo Higgins, your Chief Inspirational Officer. I like to say when we perform, we get paid. This podcast focuses on the areas of confidence, mindset, leadership, and performance, which all lead to increased revenues and sales. As your Chief Inspirational Officer, I'm focused on the development of people by unearthing their values, talents, and self-worth, otherwise known as that self-esteem factor. People matter, self-worth matters, time matters. When it all aligns, everything works. All right. Thank you for being with us on this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. And the guest that we have with us this week is Dylan Slattery. And Dylan and I met through a, um, a mutual acquaintance. And she said, you know, Dylan is somebody that you need to know and you need to hear his story. And so Dylan is a speaker. He's a transformational coach. He also has his own podcast, which is Stage 4-2 on stage. He comes to us from Denver, Colorado. And so let me give you a little bit of insight on who Dylan is. You know, it is stated that most people at 22 are thinking about graduating college, their first full-time job making plans for the weekend. But the year that Dylan Slattery turned 22, he was battling depression. He was diagnosed with melanoma for the first time. And he was also involved in a car accident in which he lost a high school classmate and friend. So just when things could not you know, seem any worse for him, the cancer returned at 23. But by this time, it was stage four with three tumors in his spine, as well as his neck, liver, and possibly his lung. And so that's the story that we have. And thank you, Dylan, for being on this episode with us today. Thank you so much, Marlo. I'm excited to uh, add value to your audience and just really dive deep into some of the things that I know you're so passionate about. Mm, Right. And so here's the thing that we always like to lead off on our podcast with is the Maverick Movement. And we ask all of our guests because it's so important that we ask burning questions and solve problems to help our Maverick community move their mountains around performance. And so, um, you know, it's it's very important that we... um, positioned a daily question on our social media platforms to assist our community and get insight from how other people respond to the question. And so today's question that I'm going to ask you is, um, what's the value of having clarity in business? So we're going to start with that Maverick question, and then we're going to jump into your story. So what is that for you, Dylan? I think the importance of having clarity in business is knowing what problems you're solving. So often in business, we like to focus on our products and what they can do for the other person. But at the end of the day, it's what problems are we solving for the person across the table? At the end of the day, that's what matters. And that's where the value comes from. Okay, that's huge. And, and clarity is everything, right? It's like you said, it's I mean, that's, that's the best place to start. So let's jump into Dylan and let's get some clarity on who you are. What, what do you want to uh, start us with with this episode around your story? I'll just kind of let you take the lead with that one, Dylan. Absolutely. I think uh, one of the th- topics that I'm so passionate about is adversity. And I believe it's a universal experience that we all come across and face in various forms during our life. I've experienced incredible amounts of adversity in just my now 28 years here on, on earth. And I think it's so important to be able to take a step back and have the power to reframe what's in front of us. So you, you touched a little bit on the cancer returning when I was 23 and a half years old. And at the time, the first, uh, 
prognosis that I got was that it was incurable and that it was in too many places that they couldn't do surgery and the experimental options that were on the table were not going to be effective. When I was transferred to the University of Iowa, uh, that doctor said that my odds were probably less than 15% chance of cure. And I think when we talk about uh, optimism and pessimism, so often we focus on this idea of, is your glass half empty or half full, right? But what if that glass was only 15% full? Would we choose to look at that 15% chance that we do have? Or are we gonna buy into the belief of that 85% that the world is telling us that we can't do something, that we won't be what we want to become and that we won't achieve what we were set here to achieve. And so I believe that's so important to reframe what the world is trying to tell us and what we're experiencing because it's easy to let our emotions and the facts get in the, in the way of us pursuing something bigger than ourselves. Okay, so take us there. That How do you reframe? I mean, you've come off some pretty heavy life circumstances, Dylan, and not only that, but doing it at such a young age. How have you been able to reframe? Yeah, so I think it's important to dictate the conversation. Not only the conversation that you're having with the people around you, but the conversation that you're having with yourself. And so when I received that news, I'll be honest with you, my, my biggest cheerleader who, who w- was with me through this entire process was my mother. You know, she lost my dad when she was eight months pregnant with me. So a month before I was born, he took his own life. And so that's something that's incredibly heavy on my heart and wakes me up each and every day is helping other people get through those feelings of hopelessness, lack of purpose, and lack of vision. And so I believe it's important to dictate the conversation and to the point where when we first found out that the cancer was back, the only thing that we had really known melanoma as until I was diagnosed was a friend of mine who passed away when he was 20 years old. He missed class. He was in college at the time. He missed class three days in a row with stomach cramps. And finally, his roommates were like, you either need to go to class or go to the hospital. And so he finally went to the hospital and 17 days later, he was dead from melanoma. So that's what we knew melanoma as. And after it came back stage four, my mom went to visit his mom. And when she came back, it was like something had changed. Like I was already dead. It was just assumed that I was going to be uh, following that same path. And I put it to her pretty bluntly. I was like, mom, I need you on my team and I need you to believe I don't need to be 15%. I only need to be 1% in order to survive. And so we chose to look at it that way. And, you know, she's, she journaled all the way through this while I was in the hospital, while I was in the ICU. And that's one of the things she said helped her flip the switch was that belief in myself and dictating that conversation that I was only going to surround myself with people who believed because I knew how important that was. The placebo effect is real. Mm. Wow. Wow. And so, so what happened from that point? She jumped on your bus, started becoming one of your biggest believers. And what did that do for you? It was everything, honestly. I mean, she, uh, so that um, started a, a series of events where I spent four weeks in the ICU where I was under constant medical attention uh, doing treatments every eight hours, so three times a day. And there were times in that hospital where, you know, I woke up one night with eight doctors around my bed with 
pads ready to jump me because my organs were starting to falter and I was on the verge. I was, I was right there. And I, again, I, I only wanted people around me that believed in me and that brought positive energy to the situation. Um, for example, one night in the ICU, right after a shift change, I had this nurse come in and she must've been having a really bad day. Uh, and all of my nurses at the University of Iowa were incredible. But on this particular night, um, she just had this energy and this vibe about her where everything was kind of a chore and I felt like a burden. And I knew in that moment that that's not the energy that I needed in that room. And so I actually had my nurse removed and replaced that evening uh, because energy was that important to me. But going back to my mom, she slept on the windowsill of that room in the ICU for four weeks with me. She was there almost every minute that I was. And having her there and having her there believing that I was going to make it through, even in those darkest moments, was everything. You know, some days I pushed her to believe. Other days she had to push me and remind me that it was going to be worth it. Um, But who you surround yourself with is everything. Well, boy, that just impacts that. And the fact that you could feel that energy, and I'm one of those people too, that, you know, that's when you really truly know yourself and when you're grounded that deep, um, the power of that for you, Dylan. So kudos to you. Wow. It was definitely a process, you know, um, up to that point, I had put off a lot of things as 22, 23 year olds like to do procrastinate, put those essays off to the, to the end of the semester put those things off, those subtle hints that we know need to be addressed. And when you spend four weeks in a bed for, you know, probably average 23 hours a day, um, there's the conversation that you have most is the one with yourself. And so there was, there was a lot of things that I was addressing internally that uh, are just now starting to come to fruition. You know, the work that you put in, it starts on the inside typically and you don't see the results start to manifest physically uh, until sometimes years down the road. But um, the, the changes that you can make today can make an incredible impact, not only on you, but on the people around you down the road. Mm, wow. Tell us how you're sharing this message. How are you impacting people with this story? What, what are you doing as, as a transformational leader and speaker? Yeah. And so one of the things that we talked so much about, I was actually in Iowa City a few weeks ago, we had talked about this, but um, I was speaking at this conference for uh, adolescents and young adults with cancer and the psychosocial effects of cancer on those young adults. And typically how that manifests itself is through depression, anxiety, and isolation. And, you know, I was sitting at this conference and one of the leading researchers there was, was talking about how these affect the people who are going through cancer as well as their caregivers. And it kept occurring to me, like, this is not something that's specific to cancer. In fact, I was experiencing a lot of these same feelings prior to my diagnosis. And so that's my goal is to reach not just people with cancer, but again, recognizing that adversity can bring those things on. And if we choose to run away from them, as I like to say, you can choose to either be a cancer or you can choose to be a cure. And that looks like a lot of different things, right? We all know that cancerous teammate, that cancerous energy that you can bring to a situation or just the, 
the language that we use can be cancerous. Mm-hmm. And so we can choose to be a cure and it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing, right? It's, um, it can happen in the smallest moments of each and every day. Right. It can be as small as holding a door open for someone or, um, you know, picking something up for someone when their hands are full, maybe it's groceries, whatever that looks like, but starting small and building on that is crucial. Momentum is real, whether it's in sports, you know, I, I work with and I speak to a lot of athletes where momentum is, you know, obvious. We see it all the time. One thing happens and it changes the outcome of, of a game. But that same, that same thing is true in life. One moment, however big or small it can be, can truly change not only the outcome of our own lives, but again, the people around us. Right. So you have a baseball background, right? I mean, you, you, were, you, played, you were an athlete. You played baseball. So I love that analogy. How, um, take us there for a minute, you know, being a, an athlete and framing your mindset and then how that's helped you and why you really make an impact for, for athletes today. Yeah, so baseball has always been huge on my heart. So I'm from Dyersville where the Field of Dreams is. And I've been fortunate enough, the, the game of baseball has rewarded me in ways that I could not have even imagined. So I got to play under and then coach with one of the top high school baseball coaches in the state of Iowa, Tom Jank Jr. And unfortunately, the same year that I was declared no sign of disease, he was diagnosed with geoblastoma and passed away the year following. And so that has had an incredible impact on me. Uh, I was privileged enough to be one of his pallbearers in his, in his uh, funeral, which someone asked me recently, what's been the most rewarding moment in your life? And I think that was probably it. I've also got to umpire out at the Field of Dreams with some of my idols growing up, whether it was Johnny Bench, Reggie Jackson, uh, Ted Simmons, Pudge Rodriguez, a lot of catchers in there. I was a catcher, so (laughs) I wasn't the most talented player. But I recognized that if I played to my strengths, I could impact the game in a bigger way than just me, right? So I could make the players around me perform at a higher level just by knowing situations, knowing I could read and react uh, to a hitter's swing and put guys in in better position to, to field the ball. And, um, yeah, just help out my pitchers mentally. And uh, if I could get them an extra few inches on the outside corner, that always helps too. Absolutely. Well, you could, I mean, just listening to you, Dylan, you know, and how you've been guided with the gift of being an athlete and being in baseball, how that, that framework has really supported your mind work now today as you've had to overcome, you know, not only battling cancer, but tell us and take us through the story. Not only did you have the cancer diagnosis, but you were in a car accident and that was a very poignant moment for you. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So baseball is a game of failure. You know, the, the best in the game fails seven out of 10 times. And so over the course of that 18 months, I felt like I was just failing over and over and over again. And, and one of those occurrences in, in those 18 months from the time I was 22 to 23 and a half was, was a car accident. So I had already been through a breakup I'd already been diagnosed with melanoma the first time where I had my surgery on my neck that left me with a seven inch scar. And then six months after that, I was home for Christmas break and I was involved in this single vehicle rollover, super icy night out in Iowa. And I was in the backseat behind the passenger. She was in the backseat behind the driver. 
and we crossed the center line and we could not correct ourselves. So we hit this ditch, busted through the fence, went through this field, and then there was this creek bed that um, we hit. And when we hit the side of the bank, the truck rolled. I believe it was up to six times. It snowed the next day, so we don't actually know. But when the truck came to a halt, it was on its side and we were um, all the, all the glass was busted out. And I actually can remember the the feeling of that greediness in my, in my teeth from glass being in my mouth. And when I came to my senses, I realized that the girl that was in the back seat behind the driver had been partially ejected. And by this point I was treating a lot of the things that were going on in my life with, but with methods of escaping. So escaping with drugs, alcohol, and food. And so I was the only one who did not go into shock that night. And I believe that was probably wise because I was numb, more or less. I, I couldn't feel what was happening around me. And so I pulled her out from underneath the truck and, and tried to resuscitate her and couldn't. And that left me in a place that was as dark as I've ever been. You know, I had those feelings of survivor's remorse where I was angry, asking God, like, why didn't you just take me? Like, I wanted to go anyway, and Brittany offers so much to this world. Like, why didn't you just take me instead of her? Hmm. And then the cancer came back, and all of these other things happened, and it was like, you know, if, if it was my time, I would have gone. So there has to be something bigger here. And so I just started to believe that. I started to believe that this purpose was bigger than me and, and that I, I was, I was here for one reason. And I'm now I'm just trying to find out that reason and help as many people as I can. Well, and as we're listening to this episode too, Dylan, I mean, it's, it's hard to hear, but it's also very empowering, you know? So I think people are going to have, you know, so many emotions around this episode when they're listening to you, Dylan, and sharing, you know, your experience, you know, not many people in this lifetime will experience even a fraction of what you've had to go through. And there's just, you know, that right there is I'm hearing, you know, the divine really um, speak to your calling, you know, that, that your purpose is way bigger than you'll probably ever imagine. And you've witnessed it and you feel it and you sense it from the way that you describe, you know, um, understanding the energy and the tension in the hospital with the nurse to, you know, feeling, you know, that you needed to self-medicate and to take yourself down that path, you know, there's just so much about you that is just so multifaceted. And um, so let's just go there. Let's take all of that angst and all of this, this negative. What's the, what's the positive for you? Where do you feel that, that divine energy and that calling? Um, how can you grow from it and sustain it? Yeah, so the further I get away from, from these events, the, the more clarity um, I have on what purpose and what role it's played and, and what lesson ultimately it was trying to teach me. And I think that's the big takeaway here is our listeners can, can hear this story and, and go one of two directions. They can either say, I've never had anything like that happen to me. I can't really relate. Or they can say, you know what? I've experienced something like that. It may not be that exact thing, but I think comparison is the worst thing in this world because it'll, it allows people to play small. 
you know, we, we put so many of these people and, and I've been guilty of the same thing. We put people on a pedestal saying, you know, I just can't relate to them. They're, they have this trait, whatever it is that I don't have. And therefore I'll never be that. But I think if we can hear this message and say, you know what, regardless of what I'm going through today, if I can take a step back and ask myself, am I the only one that's experiencing this right now? The answer is probably no. All of a sudden we can start to see this adversity as a gift, a gift to help other people who are experiencing that exact same thing or something similar and allow them and show them a path where all of a sudden this is bigger than me. It's, it's not about me anymore. It's about helping as many other people navigate the rivers of life as possible. Right. And so that's where you're just making this, you know, it's becoming your extension. And so you have a podcast. Tell us where we can find you. Where, where can we learn about you? I mean, you're out there in the circuit of speaking and, and um, there's companies, there are organizations that need to hear this message. Where can we find you? Give us some, some connections there, Dylan. Yep. So my website is www.stage4, spelled out the number two on stage.com, or you can just Google my name and I'll come up. Um, I also have that podcast where I interview other people who have overcome adversity in other areas of their life and are helping other people, again, navigate those rivers of life as well. Um, so I've, I've been fortunate enough to interview the likes of, you know, John Gordon, Ben Newman, John O'Leary, who was burned on 100% of his body, told he wasn't going to survive and ended up surviving. Incredible story. If you haven't read his book, On Fire, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, so many other people whether it was surviving the Rwandan genocide at nine years old and then making his way to the U.S. to try and help other people live their best life. Just sharing other people's stories of hope, courage, and just empowering resilience in the face of adversity. Oh, bless you. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And that's why I'm a chief inspirational officer, right? Because I know that these stories um, inspire other people and will motivate you towards living a best, you know, your best life. You're one of those people, Dylan, who I admire and I highly respect. And so thank you for being on our podcast, letting our audience um, hear your message. Okay. So to learn more about Dylan, you can visit our website at marlohiggins.com where you can learn how to connect with Dylan's different resources and add him to your circle of influence. Dylan, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. And remember, in a world that's filled with cancer, you can choose to be a cure. Bless you. All right, my friends, go out there and um, embrace life. Thank you so much. As your chief inspirational officer, I coach executives to gain clarity and remove self-doubt to increase performance in sales. To book a complimentary coaching session with me, simply visit marlohiggins.com and click on the work with me tab to schedule a call. Did you like this podcast? If so, subscribe and share with all of your friends. And if you want even more awesome resources to gain clarity and remove self-doubt, plus some personal insights from me that I only share in email, get yourself over to marlohiggins.com and sign up for the email updates. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next week on 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. If you're into it, subscribe, leave a review and tell all of your friends. We would sure appreciate it.